God bless. How's everybody today? Good? So y'all ready for some, uh, some word? Awesome. Awesome. I was sitting down. Worship was just like amazing. I was sitting down over there and uh, I tapped my son. I said, oh, this, you know, in other words, worship was amazing. Just don't, you know, just sink down to the place where the spirit of God is, the, the presence of God, and just don't miss your moment. It's like, don't miss your moment. He said, tell the other boy that too. Tell him, tell his brother. So sometimes I know that, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on in our lives you know, we're faced with crossroads, we're faced with crisis, we're faced with crazy trials. But how many of us know that God doesn't want us to miss our moment? And that's one of the things that uh, I'm learning, and that's the, the message today entitled, There's More in Your Moment continuing the series. There's more in your moment. So basically, I'm just going to try to break down in the life of Peter and Jesus, you know, in, in, in a time of crisis, in a time of, of a crazy trial. What was it that the enemy tried to do? What was it that God wanted to do? What was it that we needed to do? What was our responsibility? How, how can't we miss it no more? How, how can we always seize the moment? How can we always, in our present moment, Ephraim said something awesome in the, in the prayer room. He said, you know, it's not, it's not time constraints. You know, we're not, we're not, you know, gonna, we're not going to be stuck in time. Even time is a created thing for us. God created even time for us. Time is, we, we, we're not bound by time. We want to allow the spirit of God to move. So we're not constrained by time, but in every moment of life, how many of us know that God wants to be present? God wants to be present. And I'm learning that mentally, I need to be present now. You know, be aware. I need to be present. But also, I need to be aware of the presence. So there's two, you know, it's like a dual focus. Like mentally, you know, sometimes, you know, we get so drawn inward to try in the trial or the crisis or whatever we're facing in life or the crossroad. We, 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 get, we tend to draw inward to look for the answer within ourselves. And how many of us know that sometimes when we look so hard and we try to fix things, I mean, sometimes I see these people who, who are on the bus and, you know, they got mental illnesses and things like that, it's, it's, it's sometimes it seems like such an inward struggle that they, they, they tend to just give themselves up to that they lose themselves to. And sometimes we allow our trials and circumstances to speak louder than God's word to us. So I'm just going to open up with a story in Luke chapter 22. 
And Jesus is talking to Simon, and we know Simon is Peter the Rock. You know, we, we know about his life. Many of us don't. We're newcomers. But Jesus is about to go into one of the greatest points of his life. This is his destiny. He's God. He's, he's taken the weight of the humanity upon his shoulders. He's about to redeem the whole human race. He's about to create a new creature in Christ, right? But not only he's going to go through, his disciples are going to go through with him. So he's preparing, them, uh, he's preparing them along the way. And he says, Simon, stay on your toes. Satan has tried his best to separate all of you from me. Like chaff from wheat. How many of you know that? That's, that's one of the main things. The enemy wants us to believe that there's a separation. Even that, you know, God is in the heavens and, you know, God, I'm, 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 I'm just praying to him. There's no separation anymore. God has bridged the gap. God lives within me and my faith is not in a God who's in the heavens. The faith that I rest in is in the God in me. So he said, Satan's trying his best to separate all of you from me. Like chaff from wheat. Simon, I've prayed for you in particular that you not give in or out. When you have come through the time of testing, turn to your companions and give them a fresh start. So this is what Peter says. Peter's like, Master, I'm ready for anything with you. I'll go to jail for you. I'll die for you. Jesus said, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, Peter. But before the rooster crows, you would have three times denied that you have ever known me. So Peter rises up after Jesus says, you know what? You got to be ready. You're about to face a trial. We're, we're all going to go through. This is a point in our lives where we need to really stick together. You know, Peter, I'm, I'm praying that, you know, at the end of this, this is not going to fall to the ground. Your faith is not going to fail. You're going to stick to what I've told you. You're going you're gonna to hold on to the faith of God. You're going you're gonna to continue in what I have taught you and what I believe. But Peter, he steps back. And he, he has so much self-confidence and he says, you know what? And, and you know, I'm not going to, I, I'm not going to give up on you. And, and I looked at the other gospels and Peter's digging into this. He's like, no, even if all of them fall away, I'm not going to fall away from you, God. Even if all of them go ahead and run and all that, not me, not me. I, I, I'm going to stick to it. And if you die, I'm going to die with you. That's how I'm riding with you, Jesus. So Jesus had to say, you know what, Peter, you don't know it, but your situation is going to look bigger than me. Your God is going to look smaller than the thing that you're about to face. 
And sometimes in our lives, I know we go through, I've been through so many situations and I'm, I call so many people, I need help, and I'm reaching out like if I'm in an in a ocean drowning for help. And sometimes my situations look so much bigger than God. My focus is so much more on, on my struggle than, uh, than, than it is on God. And I'm like, God, where are you in this? Where are you in this? And so many of us could be in situations like that right now that are continuing. And we're like, when is it going to stop? When is this, when is this situation going to end? How much longer do I have to to put up with this? How much longer do I have to stand in this? Where are you, God? Where are you? Because there is no deliverance here. But in this season that he's going to go through, God continues to say to him, and I'm going to go down to verse 39. I'm reading from the message version. So God says to him, you know what? Let's go. I'm going to take you to my place. I, I, I need to prepare for what's ahead. I'm going to take you to this place that I always go to. And Jesus went there occasionally. It was the Mount of Olives. It was a garden in front of the Mount of Olives called Gethsemane, where Jesus from time to time would go there. He would just relax before the Father and he would pray. So he took the disciples there. Right, in verse 39, he went there, right, took the disciples there. He said, you know, follow me inside. When he arrived at the place, he said, pray that you don't give in to temptation. So, all right, now first he warns them. He says, all right, now there's, there's something coming here. Now he stations them in a place of prayer, and he says, now I want you to pray that you don't enter into temptation. After he told Peter, you know what, you're going to deny me. Now he says, you know what, I'm going to give him the opportunity to actually stand in a place where he can receive. In his present moment, I want him to understand how he can get his resource. And I'm going to show him by my example. So Jesus goes in the garden. The Bible says that he goes like a, a stone's throw. And so he goes by himself and he prays. John chapter 16 it shows one of his, the prayers that he prayed there. It's such a beautiful prayer. And this is one of the prayers that he prays. He says, Father... You know, I am I'm grieved, I'm heavy, I, I, it's just so heavy on me. You know what, if, if it's possible, could you take this cup from me? Because it's, it's a cup of suffering that he's drinking. He's like, could you take this cup from me? Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want for me. But then he goes back to see if his intercessors were, were praying, because he took three out of 12. He told the rest of them, the way by the gate, and he took three of them with him. He took Peter, and he took uh, uh, two brothers, and he said, you know what? Come on, get up, pray, lest you enter in temptation. You can't pray with me and stay with me one hour? Stay with me one hour. This is his time. This is time he needs some support. This is some time he needs some agreement. His intercessors and prayer partners started to fall asleep on him, so he goes back, and he starts praying again. But what happens is very interesting. Jesus asked his father if it's possible to take this cup from him because of the pressure that was upon him. The Bible says that in the time of his prayer, in the time of his prayer, an angel of the Lord visited him. And when the angel of the Lord visited him, it says that angel strengthened him. That angel strengthened him. That word strength means 
He stepped into knowing who he was, and by that, grace and empowerment and strength was given in that position for the assignment ahead. So in his prayer, he received what he needed, and he went forth back to his prayer partners and found them asleep again. He said, yo, pray lest you enter into temptation. These trials, these tests are coming. You need to pray. Stay with me one hour. And he did this about three times. He did this about three times. But the Bible says that because Jesus was going through and they were seeing his life, they owned what he was going through, but they didn't go through the steps of how he, is, how he readied himself to go through. Because they were grieved. The Bible said that they were grieved, and as they were grieved, that grief caused them to just have heavy eyes and just fall asleep, and they just couldn't wake up. They fell asleep, and they missed their moment. So how many of us know that when it comes to prayer, sometimes we get it twisted. We don't understand much. Sometimes there's what I like to call the business of prayer, there's intercessory prayer, there's soaking prayer. There's these, all these things that we can say that are connected to prayer. For example, like if I come into a time where I'm in a crisis, how many, know, how many of us know that that's not the time to give God my prayer list, you know, for other people? That's not the time to just go before him and just continue to just like mouth off. The Bible says sometimes when you enter into the presence of God, be slow to speak. Don't, 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 don't continue to have much words when you get into the presence of God. Honor him and respect him. First sit in the place where he is and learn to just absorb who he is and learn just like you know, solar paddles, they, they, they absorb the sun and they give off that heat to the house. Learn how to just absorb that presence and that nature of God. When you absorb that nature of God and that presence of God, you get familiar with God. And when you get familiar with God, you get sensitive to God. And now when you get sensitive to God, you become aware of God in everything that's going on. So a lot of the times, you know, it's, it's, it's important. The, the most prayer, the, the most important prayer of our lives is that prayer, is the sitting, the soaking, the time where like a flower absorbs the sun and the flower grows and receives the, the nutrients and resources is the time like us. That's the time where the knowledge of God is given to you. That's the time where you learn how to move in the anointing. That's the time where your gifting starts to be activated and you in your closet just learning how to just move in the spirit. That's the time where your discernment is growing because you're exercising it and the senses of your discernment are learning to sense both good and evil. That's the time where you grow with him. See, somebody could, anybody can go to you in life and give you a prophetic word, but once you've been in the presence of God, even if their words are wrong, you sense the nature of God behind their words, and you can understand they mean well. They don't, they don't, they're not trying to harm me with their words, even though their words may seem that they were wrong. But there's others who came and said, thus saith the Lord with all these perfect words and eloquent words, and all of a sudden you're like, they nasty in their words. Them. Their heart is just like bad. Where you learn that is in the place where you in union with God. 
There's no other place that I'd rather be, David said, but in the house of the Lord. This is the very reason. See, what's important is that, all right, don't, don't get me wrong, there are important times to get out the list and pray. Pray what you need, your finances, pray for your family, your wife, your husband, your mother. It's also important to just, you know, pray about any situation. You know, it, it, all of that is so important. It's so important. But when you're in the, in, in the presence of God, there's something about that where Satan will always try to distract. How many of us sometimes get in that place of the presence and we, all of a sudden it's just like, what do I do? I, I, I'm, I'm struggling here. I, I, I'm trying to break through. I, I, I don't know what to do. I, don't do nothing but just sit. The Bible says, let him quiet you with his love. When he quiets you with his love, at that moment, everything else begins to melt away. And that's his purpose because he wants to secure you, not in the right and wrong that you're doing, even in the prayer closet, but he wants to secure you in how much you're loved by him. And when he wants to pour his love out on you in that place, it's my time to just receive it. It's my time to just learn his love. It's my time to just embrace it. learn to embrace his embrace learn you see it, it, it's it's so important to me because in that place I discover that I know it's all about Jesus it's all about Jesus but I, I in that place I've discovered that for Jesus it's all about us it's all about us everything was about us heaven bankrupt itself because God put his own value and his own worth on us. How dare us devalue ourselves when the blood of the Son of God placed us in a position with him far above principalities and powers. So prayer is important. So important that one time that I had a dream. I shared it with my homeboy Vic. I had a dream it was like a five-year-old kid, and I grabbed him. I started choking him, grabbed him by his neck, started choking him. And all of a sudden, he was like, he was like demon-possessed, little five-year-old boy. He was doing all that. And I'm choking him. I'm choking him. And then all of a sudden, as I'm choking him, I say, I look at him. I say, reveal your demonic counsel. Reveal your demonic counsel, just choking him and choking him. And all of a sudden, he just starts to talk. If I can keep you from the prayer closet, I can keep you from the life of God. Right then and there, I understood the importance of the union that we have with God. Because if I'm walking about my day, even thinking that I'm somebody in God, Without God, then I'm headed for trouble. That was the mistake in the garden. Eve trying to be God without God. When she was already in union with God. And so the place of the prayer closet is I'm stepping into my union with who you are. 
And like that solar panel, like the flower, you know, I'm absorbing who you are. And I actually, in that union, step out of that closet dripping wet with the love of God. And I begin to wet others in the street with the love of God. I begin to slob others in the street with the love of God. I begin to just, you know, pour all of that stuff on it because what I behold, I've become. The Bible says that when Christ is revealed, I will also be revealed with him in glory. What does that mean? When Christ is revealed to you, ah, oh, that's my daddy. I just love him right now. Oh, he's just loving on me. I'm also revealed in that very glory, that mindset, that intent. I become love as well to somebody else. Because I'm in union with God. We're one spirit. He's the head. I'm the body. We're the body. So in that place, it's just me and God. I throw some music on. Some nietas taught me that back in the gang. Remember, remember, remember that PJ back in the day? Nietas? Latin kings and all that. These dudes in my, in my block, they got saved and they said, come here, let's, let's just go to your house and pray. I was like, what? Pray? They said, yeah. Well, I said, what do we do? I don't know. I don't, what, 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 what are we going to do? A lot of us don't even know what to do. We just slap the list. I did my duty. I'm going to work. And we have no awareness. And we're not empowered. And we have not the angel of the Lord. You know, and they, they said, put on, put on, just put on some, some music. I had, I had had some Fred Hammond back then. Put some Fred Hammond on. And they just sitting down and just like, sit, just, just, just sit down and just, you know, just, just allow, allow the spirit to move. So I just sat there and I just started listening to the words. And it's like God had a surfboard on the words and just, pow, smack my life. And all of a sudden, a guy from the street just started, oh, my God. Tears just started flowing because I just began to touch such a love that I never experienced before in my life. And I knew from that point where I belonged. I knew I was home. I knew I was home. And Jesus said in John chapter 15, I believe it's 9 and 10 in the message. He said, make your home in my love the way I've made my home in my father's love. You know, what's funny about that is that in the Old Testament, talking about the Old Covenant, they said, what's the greatest commandment? And they try to trap Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? Long story short, the guy said, you know, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And that's, that's, that's part of the law. It's what we had to do. That's what they had to do. Love God with everything. But in, in the New Testament, Jesus puts that into God's perspective. And he says, I give you a new commandment. And this is right before the time, you know, he's teaching them. He's teaching about some amazing stuff right before he hits the cross. He says, I give you a new commandment. Love your neighbor. How? The way that I love you. So in other words, how am I going to love you if I'm not here allowing him to love me? 
first I need to receive love from the Father in order to love my neighbor. First, I need to know who I am in, in, in union with the Father before I can love my neighbor. There's one guy who says, if I am free from me, then I can also be free from you. You won't be able to control how I feel, how I think, how I dress. You won't be able to control anything about me because it's not about me no more. I'm dead. It's about God. So I'm here to love you despite how you're treating me. See, that's what Jesus did. It wasn't how Jesus was, was doing. It was how he was being. That's where we should start asking each other, how are you being? Because he didn't, he didn't allow all the wrongs that were being done to him, all the wrongs that everybody, nailing him to the cross, everything, everything that, we, that, that they were doing, he didn't allow that to create wrongs inside of him. But he said to the father, they know not what they're doing. Because love was in action. Jesus made his home and his father's love. He was, he was so aware of that. He was aware of the present and he was aware of the presence of his father in him of love. That he was so rooted and grounded in that. Didn't the Bible say be rooted and grounded in love? I'm tired of hearing about love. I'm tired of hearing about love. Then you don't know what love is. The Bible says you can give your body to be burnt, but if you wasn't in love, then that made no, you did that for no reason. You can prophesy and you can do all of this, but without the love of God behind that, you're just making a bunch of noise. So what happens is, is that now, Since his intercessory team is sleeping and he wakes them up, he tells them, my time is at hand. Here comes Judas now coming down the block with his army because they gave him some, some 30 pieces of silver so that he, you know, he, could, you know, he could do whatever he needed to do. So that he got, he got sold out because the Bible says Satan entered into him and he got deceived and boom, he just came by. Jesus comes up from that prayer place. Tells his disciples, my time is at hand. They said to him, right, that, right, right here, the army comes, and they say, Jesus says, who do you seek? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. You know what he does? He says, I am. Boom. The whole army falls to the ground. The glory of God was so heavy on him coming from that place that the whole entire army experienced the touch of God. But then what does Pedro do from the block with the machete on the side, Peter? Pedro from the block with the machete. He says, oh, no, this is my Jesus. He takes the machete out and he chops a guy's ear out. And Jesus takes the ear and he puts it back. He says, Peter, no, no, no. You're still operating 
in what you have and what you have to do while I'm trying to show you what God is doing in me. And I've tried to bring you to that place. No, if you're going to live by this, you're going to die by this. So Pedro, put that machete down. So next thing you know, they arrest him. Everybody flees. They strike the shepherd, the sheep scattered. Everything was being fulfilled. Because they had, the disciples had more faith in their ability and what they needed to do in that whole process when God was showing them what to do. So now Peter follows, you know, he follows behind. He gets into the courtyard and they, they beating Jesus down. They heard it, they heard in the master. Next thing you know, the guy with the machete all of a sudden gets confronted by a girl. And she says, Aren't you one of his, one of his disciples? I, I'm, not, I'm not, no, I'm not one of his disciples. See, the time of his temptation and testing is upon him, and he has no ability to break out because he's still caught in what he can do because he didn't receive the strength like Jesus received the strength in the place of prayer. So now all of a sudden, what he's doing is he's trying to survive. He's like, no, I don't know. I don't know that Jesus. No, I don't. And they can, she continued to ask him and drill him. Or, no, no, no. You, you, you're the Galilean. You were with Jesus. And all of a sudden, he's like, no, no, I'm not, I don't even know him. That mother, mother, mother. he starts cursing. As soon as he started cursing, the eyes of love that was getting beat looked at him. And Peter just looked at him and, and just ran out of there and began to wet bitterly. How many of us know that in the crisis, in the trial, in the testing, God allows that sometimes so that it can break our own self-confidence. So that we can be confident in another. Sometimes we need to look past religious works, past ourself, and to a savior. And once we connect to the union of what he can be, that's the whole point of God right there. That's the whole point of union right there. That's the whole point of us being in a relationship with God. Because we can do many things in our Christian walk. In our Christian ministries, in our Christian, you know, lingos and fellowships, but God can be absent from it. How many of us want God present in all we do? I said, let your conversations be seasoned with soul. So all of a sudden, Peter gets crushed. He's like, oh, you know, oh, he weeps bitterly. He weeps bitterly. Meanwhile, Judas flies off and he's weeping too at the same time but he's so mad at himself and so consumed he hangs himself and he went one direction but Peter humbled himself he went another direction and then one time he was on a boat after that Jesus resurrected and he was with the disciples and then Jesus is sitting on the shore he has a fire and then there's a fire here and, and then he's cooking and then he says children did you catch anything and then all of a sudden, who notices first? Who becomes aware of the nature behind the voice first? Is John the beloved, the one who Jesus loves, he said. The one who's been rooted and grounded in love. He says, it's the master. 
even though it don't look like the master, but love became aware of the nature of that voice and said, it's the master. Peter just put on his clothes because he was naked in the boat, jumped in the river, jumped in the ocean rather, and swam to Jesus. And Jesus began to, nobody said nothing to him because they all knew it was him. And he just began to just cook, serve, and minister. And then Jesus tells Peter, do you love me, Peter? He said, feed my sheep. And he asked him a second time, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes, I, I love you. I love you. I love you. I, I, God, I, I, really, I really do. I love you. I love you. Sometimes it's like God is saying, you're not forgotten. I'm here. You're not forgotten. And it's like to you, you're, you're not forgotten. But you have forgotten. You have forgotten. See, Peter is going along the road, and he didn't, he didn't know the next, the next place to go. And sometimes that's like us. We're not forgotten, but we have forgotten. Sometimes we don't forget those things which are behind and press forward to those things which are ahead. But we live in the past when we should be forgetting those things that are in the past and press forward towards those things which are ahead. Because sometimes the God of this world sends a smoke stream to, to, to distract us, to set up that smoke stream so that we can't see the provision of Christ in front of us. What's the God of this world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Sometimes all of these different kinds of, of things come alongside of us and they try to pull us and the nature of here pulls us and all these different distractions pull us to separate us, to bring that wall between us and Christ. To cause us to forget who we are because when we remember who we are, we'll blow the smoke away and we'll walk right up to the Father and say, Where we, what are we going to do next, Papa? I know you love me because this is not going to be able to overcome me. I'm an overcomer in you because I'm in union with you. Let's skip together down the block. So what happens now is he says it to Peter a third time. Peter, do you love me? Peter, he got upset. God, you, you know I love you, God. You know, I, you know all things. You know I love you. But the love that Peter had for Christ, the Bible says, it, 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 when, when Jesus was asking, do you love me? It was like agape. Do you agapeo me? And Peter was answering, a phileo love. It was two different loves. Peter was saying, I love you like my, you're my, you're my everything. You're like my homeboy, my brother. You're like, you're, you're like, this is such an affectionate love for you. But God was saying to him, do you have my love, Peter? The agape love, you know what the, the, the agape love is in, in the Greek? It's a shepherd that leads to the waters of rest. So whenever love is there, you'll be able to rest in who he is. Whenever patience is there, that means love is there. Whenever kindness is there, that means love is there. Whenever selfless is there, that means love is there. So we don't need to be, God, give me more patience. No, we need to be in love because love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. It's not jealous. It's not boastful. 
So God was like, this is the nature of the love. This is, this is your nature. This is your original nature before you even came here. So I'm just trying to replug you into who I am because this is, this is who you are. And your union with me, we're going to do this together. So Peter was like, I love you this way. But then later on in the life of Peter, he, after he says, okay, then feed my sheep. The power of, of that union is manifested by the, by the moving of the spirit of God in his life. To the point where Peter was faced with another crisis and another trial. Another crossroads in his life. And one guy puts it this way. He said while Peter was on the road, he would dodge all these different attempts to kill his life. Or just to kill him. So one time he was on a road and he knew that they was, they was trying to kill him because of the gospel. And an angel of the Lord visited him and said, this is your time to glorify God. So instead of turning away, he turned towards the problem. Because he saw his master. And he reflected and demonstrated the same attitude of love and selflessness as his master. Because they, when, when they said, Jesus, where is the Jesus of Nazareth? He said, he went to them and said, here I am. So Jesus said, I mean, Peter said, excuse me. Here I am. So they arrested him. And eventually, they hung him on a cross, just like they did Jesus. But he said, I'm unworthy to die in the same manner of my master. Turn me upside down. They turned him upside down, and they crucified him backwards. And that was the end of the life of Peter. And that's how he glorified God in his death. And so God is not asking any of us to go through things like that, we're privileged to have a faith and, and, and express it in a time like, like this, especially in this nation. But what he is asking, and I believe this is the heart of the message, is that it's not what you're producing, but in union with me, let me become that and we'll produce something beautiful together. So my challenge to you right now, worship team, you guys can come up. You can close this. My challenge to you right now is we can be 10 years, 15 years, 20 years in this walk with God as a Christian, but we don't even know who God is. Philip said, Father, Philip said, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been this long with you, Philip, and you don't even know me? Like Paul the Apostle said, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering. Many of us right now, we, 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 sometimes we've been in in a place of prayer, and all of a sudden, it's just been like an accusing voice. We go in a place of prayer, and then all of a sudden, we feel like there's always something wrong. I got to always deal with something. I got to always, I got to always, you know, like make sure that I'm okay with God. I got to make sure that, you know, this, this feeling that I feel like there's something wrong, like I feel like I did something. I feel that's the accuser of the brethren. He's trying to distract you so that you won't enter in into a beautiful union. 
So this thing comes to your prayer time. To steal that love, that relationship. Even if you feel that there is something wrong, that you did something wrong, let's honor him. Let him direct my prayer meeting. Let him direct our time. Let him direct this portion right here because I'm dedicating this time with you. And if you point something out to me and you make me feel that I need to, I need to pray for somebody or I need to repent for something or I need to, I need to just change my mind and embrace the mind of God about something, I, I trust that you would, you would bring and you would reveal that to me. Paul said, I don't even judge myself. I wait till God judges me. He got so tired of introspection and self-focus. He got so tired of it. He's like, you know, God is going to show. I trust him. He's, the, he's, the, he, he's the, the, the convictor. He's the spirit of truth. He reveals all truth. I'm tired of wasting my time in prayer just re repenting for something that I'm not sure if I did or I didn't do. God, if I did this, I'm just sorry, but I, ju I, ju I just, but if I did, I'm not sure if I did, but if I did, no, let's, let's put that aside. Here I am, Papa. Here I am, Daddy. The one you love. I'm here. Love on me, back. Love on me, Papa. Love on me. Love on me. All he wants to do is love on you. Take it away.